What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the podcast and a joint Facebook Live. So my name is Tony, and um, today I'm going to talk about five steps to building a strong and balanced portfolio. Now, I read a lot on this subject, listened to a lot of financial experts. I've read a lot of books about this, um, done a lot of research. Everybody has a different approach, and there's no clear 100% consensus on how to build a balanced portfolio, but I'm going to do my best, and I'm going to make it as easy as possible for people to understand. So before we talk about the steps to building a balanced portfolio, we got to talk about a few things first. First, I want to address what is a portfolio. A lot of people probably read that and they're like, I don't what is a portfolio? I don't know what that means. Well, a portfolio is an investment portfolio that's a collection of assets. And you, you can include uh, investments like stocks, bonds, mutual funds, exchange-traded funds, or ETFs. It's all of those in one place. That's what a portfolio is. And the next thing we're going to talk about is your risk tolerance and your time horizon. One of the most important things to consider when you're creating a portfolio is your personal risk tolerance and sometimes your your anxiety levels. So uh, the market can be an emotional roller coaster. There's a lot of ups and downs as we saw from 2020. And this is why it's important to have a portfolio that's balanced and you feel good about it. Um, So I'm going to make this... My brother just joined. Andrew, you can come on the... You can join in if you want. Anyways, uh, I'm going to make this generic advice to, and I'm going to assume that everybody here is trying to save for a nest egg for retirement. And obviously, we're all on different income levels, ages, financial literacy, etc., so that's what the things I want to talk about first. Now let's get into building a portfolio. So I, I wrote it down as like a, a five-step plan. So the first step is pick your brokerage, right? So choose a brokerage that works for you and for your goals. What is your time horizon? Should you use an IRA or a 401k instead of an individual, uh, an, an individual brokerage account? Like, do you need to access this money right away or can you wait until you're 59 and a half and you have, you can retire? Do you need fractional shares? A lot of people do. I do. I wouldn't, like, I wouldn't pick a brokerage where I couldn't use fractional shares. Uh, would you rather use an app like Acorns that invests in the pre-made portfolios for you and takes all the guesswork out of it? Or, uh, you know, do you want to pick your own stocks, ETFs, mutual funds, bonds, commodities, etc.? So... Pick your port or pick your brokerage that works for you. Now, once you pick your brokerage, the next thing you have to do is step two is figure out what assets you want to add to your portfolio. Now, there's a couple different assets. You have stocks and you have bonds, right? So stocks are just um, a tiny slice of ownership in a company. So when you own a, a, a stock in a company, you just own a tiny bit of ownership in the company. If that makes sense. So the goal should be to buy high quality blue chip stocks that you believe in and they'll go up in value over time. Now, uh, of course, <laughs> there's risk and not stocks don't always go up. So you, they could also lose value as well. 
So generally though, good companies will continue to grow over time. To help lower your risk, uh, many investors like myself will invest in stocks through funds like ETFs or mutual funds. And those are just a collection of stocks from a wide variety of companies. Now, um, I, you know, you can invest with individual stocks and no individual stock should be more than five to 10% of your overall portfolio. And I also highly re recommend ETFs instead of using individual stocks. Now, the other asset that you're going to be buying into in a portfolio <clears throat> is bonds. Now, bonds are just loans to companies or governments that, that get paid back over time with interest. And bonds are considered to be safer investment, safer investments than stocks because they're a lot less volatile. However, they have generally they have a lot lower returns than stocks. So that's why if you're younger, you're going to want to put more of your portfolio into stocks than you do bonds. And uh, the good thing about bonds, though, is you can they're fixed income assets. So you know what you're going to receive in interest when you're investing in the bonds. Now you got stocks. ETFs, uh, mutual funds, those are just stocks in bundles, sold in bundles, right? You have bonds, and you also have commodities like gold, silver. I know cryptocurrencies are really popular. So there's a bunch of different assets that you can put in your portfolio, okay? So those are the types of assets you can invest in in a portfolio. So step three, after you figure out what assets you want, step three is the asset allocation process. Now, if you're in your 20s to your 50s and you have a lot of time before you need to retire, it, it's, it's recommended to be more aggressive, so you're going to want to have higher percentage of stocks and bonds. If you're in your mid-50s and up, uh, I would recommend you have a more conservative approach to your portfolio. You do maybe a 50-50 split. Um, the general rule of thumb most financial experts recommend is the 100 rule. So you take your age and you subtract 100, or you, you take 100 and you subtract your age. So uh, I'm 33, so let's say 30. Basically what that means is I should have 30% bonds, 70% stocks. Now, I, if you're 50, you should have 50% bonds, 50% stocks. Now, I don't really subscribe to this rule. I know this is a very controversial, controversial rule, and... They've changed it. I've seen uh, some financial experts say it's not 100 anymore. It's 110. It's 120. So it's kind of fluid. It changes a lot. I would say you're better off. Um, you're better off investing more into stocks until you're in your probably late 50s. Um, so you're not understanding the difference between ETFs and mutual funds. So we had a question from Wendy. She's not understanding what an ETF and a mutual fund, what the differences are. So an ETF and a mutual fund are very similar. The difference is ETFs trade like stocks. So you can buy and sell ETFs all day long like you can a normal stock. Mutual funds, you can't do that. It's it, You could either sell or buy and sell them at the end of the trading days. And mutual funds are actually actively managed funds by mutual fund managers. So they'll come with a higher expense ratio and the same fund, like say an S&P 500 fund, the top 500 companies in the U.S., there's a mutual fund for it and there's an ETF for it. Now the mutual fund is actually trying to outperform the S&P 500 index. The uh, ETF is actually just trying to mirror the index.
So, and they're actively managing a, a mutual fund. That means they're, they're buying and selling stocks all the time and they're trying to beat the index. I would re highly recommend you just go with the ETFs because one, they're cheaper. They're way cheaper. The expense ratios are lower. You don't have to pay a management fee. And 70% of the time, mutual funds fail to mirror the or to beat the indexes anyways. So you're better off just going with the ETFs. And the other downside of a mutual fund is mutual funds typically cost, there's a cost to get into a mutual fund. So typically they'll want a down payment of a couple thousand dollars to buy into a mutual fund where an ETF, you can literally buy into an ETF if you have fractional shares for as little as a dollar. So it just makes more sense financially to use ETFs. Now, most people for most people's 401ks have mutual funds in them because they're just your company is sending your stocks to a portfolio manager to manage. I mean, it's fine, but if you're an individual investor and you're investing into a taxable account, you're better off buying in ETFs because they're a lot more cost uh, tax effective too. All right, so where was I? So we just talked about uh, asset allocation, the bond split. Um, so the reason why you'd want to have bonds in your portfolio and not just all stocks is you want to protect yourself from volatility. Typically, if stocks are going down, bonds are going up and vice versa. So it's a good way to hedge against the market. Now, I personally do not own any bonds in my Fidelity individual account. I do have bonds in an Acorns account that I invest in. That's the only exposure I have to bonds. Uh, I'll probably won't start buying bonds until I'm in my 50s, to be honest, because bond the yields on bonds are just so low and the, the capital appreciation isn't even worth it to me. I'd rather just invest in stocks. So that's that's just me personally. Now, that's step three. Step four, we're going to talk about di diversification of your assets, okay? So you have, your, you have your brokerage account, okay? You know what assets you're going to be investing in your, in your portfolio. And step three is the asset allocation of you know how, many, how much percentage of your portfolio is going to be bonds, how much percentage is going to be stocks, okay? Now we're going to talk about diversifying those assets, so you have you're gonna buy stocks and bonds. What does that mean? Well, you're gonna are you gonna pick individual stocks, or are you gonna use ETFs and mutual funds? Now, if you pick individual stocks, this is more time consuming. There's more. It's more of a risk uh, risk reward approach, meaning that you can get um, a lot higher yields and a lot higher returns if you buy an individual stock than you typically could with an ETF if you pick the right stocks. Now, because you're only investing in that one company. So for instance, if you buy 10 shares of Apple and you have 10 shares of VOO, which is an S&P 500 ETF that has Apple in it, the VOO is gonna go up, but Apple's individual stock is gonna go up a lot more because VOO, Apple's only 12% of VOO. So I hope that makes sense. So you could get a lot higher return, but in the same sense, if you're invested in some other company that is tanking and you have a lot of money in one individual stock that's tanking and that same stock is in VOO, it's not really going to affect VOO as much because there's 500 other companies in that one fund. So it kind of protects you. You know what I'm saying? So um, picking your own stocks 
you should be you should be diversifying your portfolio and not just picking the same type of stocks. You shouldn't just have all tech stocks. You shouldn't have just have all consumer discretionary stocks. You know, it's a good it's a good rule of thumb, like I said before, to have no more than ten percent of your portfolio be allocated in one stock in one company. So you don't want to just have a portfolio full of GameStop and Apple. You know, you want to diversify. So there's there's how let's talk about how you can diversify buying stocks. So there's eleven sectors of the market. So you have energy uh, materials, you have industrials, you have tech, you have consumer discretionary, you have healthcare, you have financials, you have telecommunication service like Verizon, Comcast, um, uh, AT and T. You have utilities, you have real estate. So these are all examples of all the different sectors. I think there's 11 total sectors in the stock market. So you want to own stocks in all of those sectors. A good example of what um, what a balanced portfolio would look like. So I wrote down a couple stocks. This is an example of, of what it would look like if you had a good balanced portfolio. If you were picking out your own stocks, you'd have maybe Apple, Facebook, Starbucks, Walmart, Home Depot, Johnson & Johnson, Bank of America, Verizon, um, P, P, uh, Procter and & Gam Gamble, American Tower, Next Era Energy, American Water, and Duke Energy. So that would be an example of a bunch of different companies and a bunch of different sectors and all of those are like high quality stocks. So you'd want to do something like, I'm not saying go and buy those companies everybody, I'm just saying that's an example of what a balanced portfolio may look like. Alright, so that's one approach. When you're, when you're buying stocks you buy them individually. The other approach is the approach I take. I like to call this the set it and forget it approach where I invest into ETFs. And um, so when you're buying into ETFs, you're buying a bundle of stocks under one fund. So um, an S&P 500 ETF is a must have for everybody. S&P 500 is the top 500 companies in the US. And the, the S&P index typically outperforms every other country and every other index. So it just makes a lot of sense for everybody no matter what your goals are, to have an S&P 500 index in your portfolio. In fact, I would say this should probably be your largest holding. Now, some of the popular ones that are pretty, um, pretty highly reputable and recommended across the board is VOO and SPY. Those are two very common ones, very well-known ETFs. Now, another ETF you should have is emerging markets and small company ETFs. So at one point, Amazon was in the small company ETFs. So there's a lot of potential for a company or two in those in that in that fund to blow up, and now you just made huge profits. So you want to have a small market ETF. Um, the next thing you want to have is an international or a global all-world ETF, and this ETF will exclude the U.S. So you don't want to have um, a global. ETF that has the US in it, you want to exclude the US. So you're diversifying yourself. Okay. Now I'm in the US. I don't know how many of you aren't. So when I say international stocks, I take it as the entire world other than the US. Um, I know that probably doesn't make sense for people living outside the US, but that's you that's what these funds are called international stocks. Now a really popular one is a Vanguard VXUS is a popular ETF.
Now, I'm not saying go and buy these ETFs. I'm just recommending the popular ones, and you can do your own research. So you got S&P 500, large companies, right? You got emerging market and small companies ETFs. You have an international ETF. The next is a real estate ETF. It's very smart to have a real estate ETF. It's fixed income due through dividends. It's not for everybody, but I like it. I'm a dividend investor, so I like it. Now, the next, the fifth and last ETF I would recommend is a bond ETF, but I'm not saying go and buy a total bond market ETF. I'm suggesting you go and you buy ETFs that are short-term government bonds or treasury bonds or more intermediate-term bonds because interest rates are at an all-time low. So as these interest rates rise, it may not be a good idea to hold long-term bonds in your portfolio because the yield's going to go down and you can you, you could lose money. So I would look into the more one to five year, one to three year bonds, and then as they mature, you can get rid of them and then get new ones. Um, I'm not an expert on the bond ETF, so you'd have to look more into that yourself. I'm not 100% sure. I don't hold any bond ETFs. So uh, Now, there are other targeted ETFs you can buy. You can buy specific sectors. Um, they have like financial ETFs that may hold all bank stocks. So you can get a tech ETF that holds all tech stocks and uh, utility ETFs that holds like electric, energy, water, stocks like that, companies like that. So, it's, so, so it might be a good idea to, to buy into some specific sector targeting ETFs as well. But with the five I just recommended, if you have those five in your portfolio, you pretty much own the entire stock market. Because uh, all of those ETFs are already well diverse and already have companies in all these different sectors. So that's why it's kind of smart to just buy into ETFs. And that way, if you keep doing that every week, it doesn't really matter if the stock market crashes because you own so many good companies and you're so diverse that it's not going to really hurt you that much. And you know that the stock market's going to go back up. Historically, it's always gone back up. So we can only go by historical returns. And it just makes sense to have a very balanced portfolio to protect yourself. Now, these everything I, I talked about today, if stuff I've seen a lot from a lot of financial experts, not every person is going to agree with everything I said, and I totally understand that. But you know, this is just a good guideline for you to 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 look into and to start with if you're totally lost. Now, the final step we're going to go on to the fifth and last step is rebalancing your portfolio. You could do this on a yearly basis or by you know biannual basis. It's important to balance your portfolio. And what this means is say you own a VOO, which is an S&P 500 ETF. And let's say you want your portfolio to be 30% VOO, okay? 30% S&P 500 ETF, which is that's about where I'm at. And, and you want international ETF to be about 15%, okay? Eventually, if you keep adding the same amount every single week to these, eventually VOO may significantly pull away, and this has happened to me already. So VOO became a much larger portion of my portfolio because the growth in VOO was a lot larger than the growth in, in the international ETF I had. So what you could do is yearly you could sell some of that profit take the profit and put it into the one that's underperforming a little bit like the international ETF so that way you keep your balance exactly how you want it. Now they recommend for US 
you should have anywhere between uh, like 70 to 80% US and then maybe 20 to 25% international stocks. Now you don't want to have a 50-50 split because historically the international stocks have significantly underperformed the US S&P 500 index. So I mean it's not really a smart idea to have a 50-50 split there because then you are sacrificing some gains. But at least this way if something happens to the US stock market and uh, maybe the international stock market won't be as affected as much and that way you'll, it'll help balance out your portfolio from a crash. So that's the theory behind this. So I think that's it for today. Um, thanks for watching and um, 